Thursday, October 17th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 7 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me as always is Jared Smola. And you can head to DraftSharks.com right now and find not only our usual weekly stuff, but also the third buy-sell-hold report of the year. Jared, this one feels a little beefier than some of the yeah. others, especially some big running back plans in there. Yeah, definitely the beefiest one yet. Um, you know, we, we try not to force guys, I think, just to have them on there. But I think we, we just, as a group, came up with a lot of good trade targets and guys to to sell high on right now yeah we've gone into a couple others i honestly with a player or two where i'm like man i'm not really feeling this one but i i like the guys on the list this time and it's a critical time of year because they're yeah. we're we're trying to either turn around rough starts or like add the final piece to a team that really has a shot at a title it, yeah. making end of the season plans even already yeah definitely that and i think by now I think we feel more comfortable about you know, who these guys are, what their roles are, what, what these defenses are. You know, when we're just two and four weeks in for the first two, we're still mm-hmm. sort of just getting a feel for the landscape. Of course, it's the NFL, so we're always still guessing to some degree. Sure. And we're here primarily to look at week seven, so we should go ahead and make our best guesses at some of the week seven games here. Let's start with Rams at Falcons. Rams by three in this one. We've got road Jared Goff <laughs> versus the Falcons secondary. Yeah somebody's got to win in this matchup, right? Yeah, someone's got to win. I, I feel much better betting on road golf and just yeah. the Rams offense rebounding than this Atlanta defense doing anything. Atlanta's allowed four straight top 12 quarterback finishes, three straight top eights. I'd feel, you know, despite what we saw last week, I'd feel fine having Goff as my fantasy starter this week. Yeah, he hasn't been particularly good anywhere, home or road this year. He's 26th in ESPN's QBR so far, right behind Baker Mayfield, Jameis Winston, and Josh Allen, by the way. But QB 15 in fantasy, so fine. 517 yards against the Bucks in that goofball game, 395 at Seattle on 49 attempts. And the last time before that, they were on the road, a solid 268-2 and two at Cleveland mm-hmm. in week three. So like you, I'm fine with starting Jared Goff here, especially against Atlanta. And Atlanta is adding not only the large, it's, it's adding the largest QB scoring boost of any team in the league. It's an even more positive matchup than Miami. Yeah, and surprisingly, Atlanta has been decent to good against the run which mm-hmm. which is sort of helping you know push teams further towards the pass mm-hmm. i think goff and all his wide receivers are easy starts brandon cooks it might be a little iffy after just three targets in each of the past two games but he left week five early granted he played more than half the game but still left early with a concussion and last week goff only threw 24 passes only completed 13 yeah. it was a garbage offensive game overall yeah definitely cook's target share is down to 15 percent. I, I think that's going to climb as we get deeper in the season here a couple notes on Cooks that I found that sort of have me liking him, especially for DFS this week. Um, Atlanta's allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers line up on the left side of the formation. Cooks runs 59% of his routes from there. Atlanta's also allowed the fourth most pass plays of 20 plus yards. So, you know, they're, they're giving up everything and they're giving up big plays. I think you could see Cooks make a big play or two in this one. Yeah, I think he'll come up again on the Friday DFS podcast. Malcolm Brown did not practice Wednesday. He's dealing with an ankle issue. They've called him day-to-day. Todd Gurley did practice Wednesday. was still limited with his quad. We'll have to watch both of those yeah. guys. You know, it, maybe it's Daryl Henderson time this week. Yeah, I mean, make sure Henderson's owned in your league. We were just talking before the podcast. I'd like to see him just get a start 
against this Falcons defense, I think he, he could he could have a big game. Like I said, the Atlanta hasn't been horrible against the run. They're giving up just 4.0 yards per carry to running backs. They've allowed, though, the fifth most running back touchdowns just to the product of them being so bad on defense in general. So it's definitely not, not a bad spot for Gurley or Brown or Henderson, whoever it is in the backfield. Yeah, it's one of those matchups that doesn't make you say, oh, I better look for a different running back rather than yeah. use this guy. But it's also not a, yes, I'm going to start my running back against the Falcons this year. Yep. The Rams on defense just lost safety John Johnson to injured reserve with a shoulder injury. So the Atlanta passing game pieces were already in play. I think that only gets better. I would imagine that they will take shots at the back of the Rams defense trying to see how it is without its starting safety in there. And of course, they added Jalen Ramsey. They lost Marcus Peters. So they basically traded out Ramsey for Peters. Um, you know, that that's an upgrade, but they also lost the keep to lead to IR. So... I think this is going to be a secondary to pick. I mean, it might be, as we get into the season, a spot here where we're going to want to use, you know, number two and number three wide receivers against the Rams if they're going to have. Do we Do we know, by the way, does does Wade Phillips use, like, someone like Ramsey as a shadow guy? Does he have any history of that? Because I'm wondering if the Rams, in this game in particular, are going to have Ramsey shadow Julia. I mean, I think that Marcus Peters did some shadowing with the Rams, but a lot of the time they had him and Aqib Tlaib. Right. So there's not really a number one corner between those guys. And Marcus Peters performed disappointingly with the Rams after they signed him for big money. So I'm not sure what his history is beyond that. I would think that having Ramsey shadow would make sense, but yeah. I don't know, we'll kind of have to watch and see what happens. It would definitely make sense when you just gave up two yeah. first round picks for the guy. I think, I think you're starting Julio regardless. Yes. I think it matters in DFS and I don't think we'll know for sure until that game starts whether or not Ramsey's going to shadow Julio Jones. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the Atlanta's the second most pass-heavy offense in the league, so all the pieces are in play. Not only Julio, but Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu. Austin Hooper's an every-week starter for sure at this point. Yep. And Devontae Freeman it kind of has to be a starter. You should definitely still be trying to move him, though, especially off that two-touchdown game against Arizona. Mm -hmm. I know that he has scored in two straight weeks as a receiver. That is not sustainable. The good thing about last week is that we saw Freeman on the field in the red zone. We also saw Ido Smith on the field in the red zone, but Devontae Freeman did come back in for him, did score those two touchdowns from inside the red zone, looked like the primary receiver on, I think, both of them. Yeah, his his passing game usage has been nice, which is important considering this Falcons team is playing from behind and so pass-heavy, like you said. Every time I think Freeman's about to like fade away, he you know pops up for another... Nice game. He, he has seen 16-plus opportunities in four straight games now. Season-high, 22 opportunities last week. So I agree he's a sell-high, but you know until you sell him, I think he's fine as a, as a running back too, especially this week because this, this Rams-Falcons game should be a shootout. Yeah, and he's certainly not a get-rid-of-him-for-whatever-you-can because you can keep using him. He's mm -hmm. like Lamar Miller level, level in you know, yeah. the years where we have Lamar Miller. Yep. <laughs> and Ito Smith, by the way, is not going to get consistently good touches, but... He's at least going to be a guy that's worth a look in these four-plus team bye weeks coming up because Ito Smith's touches are coming in the red zone. So yeah. if he touches the ball five times and scores a touchdown, he can be useful for somebody. Yeah, I mean, I think he should be, he should be owned in most leagues. Again, I mean, at this time last week, we thought this was you know turning into a 50-50 committee mm -hmm. after that week five game, and then Freeman sort of pulled back away again. So it's it's I think it's a it's an evolving backfield still. Right. Don't plan on using Ito Smith most weeks, but if you're reaching, then he's somebody to to keep in mind and have rostered. Dolphins at Bills are next. Buffalo is a 16 and a half point favorite. Congrats to the Bills <laughs> for being that far ahead of the Dolphins at least. Mm -hmm. 
Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting this game. It's fun. It gives it, you know, the revenge, the fake revenge game storyline. But I'm, for fantasy purposes, who really cares? I, I think maybe it helps the Finns a bit. I think it also <laughs> helps the Bills D a bit. I think just Fitzpatrick's more volatile. He's probably a better interception bet even than, than Josh Rosen. I think it only helps the commercials for this game. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I think there's absolutely no upside. Yeah, I you're avoiding the Dolphins passing game. I would try, try to avoid the running backs. I mean, we saw it basically be a two-man committee with Drake and Mark Walton last week, and then Kalen Balaj getting the goal line carry. The matchup on the ground, this is probably a note more for future weeks, but the Bills are now 24th in football outsiders run D. They're 25th in football outsiders running back coverage rankings, and they're 24th in adjusted fans points allowed to, to the position. So again, I wouldn't want to use the Finns running backs, but looking forward, I think that you know the Bills aren't a matchup to shy away from with running backs. Right. Definitely something to keep in mind when they're not favored by three <laughs> scores. And this whole thing about this whole report about Kenyon Drake being on the trading block and having serious discussions. I, I mean, we all want to try to pick out the best place to go, but I, I, I'm just waiting for him to go to the worst possible spot <laughs> and knock out, not like knock out, like watch San Francisco trade yeah. for him. And he's in this crowded backfield and everybody's sharing all the touches. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to, I don't know, there, there's, there's spots he can go where he'd see at least the amount of work he's seeing now, I think. But I don't know, when guys get traded midseason, it's always tough for me to like them, you know, trying to learn a new offense mid-year and all that stuff. So I don't know, I think I think Drake's sort of what he is for this year. Still like him long-term, though. Buy him in Dynasty. Yeah, we'll certainly, we'll see where he goes this year. We're, the Dynasty window is starting to get a little smaller at mm. the position where guys don't do much in their <laughs> second contract. It's fresh. On the Buffalo side, we got a full practice for Devin Singletary on Wednesday coming out of the bye, so maybe it's time to get him back in charge of the backfield. We'll probably have to wait and see, though, in the game. I think yeah. the matchup at least puts both him and Frank Gore in play. I mean, even those first two weeks, Gore was running as the lead ball carrier. He, he outcarried Singletary 30-10. to 10. Mm-hmm. Singletary was doing most of the pass-catching work. He had six targets to Gore's two, so that that's what I'd guess mm-hmm. is going to be what the backfield looks like this week. I think both guys. I think Gore is is a fantasy starter in this matchup. I mean, we, we just saw 45-year-old Adrian Peterson have a big game against Miami. I think Gore can do the same. And then Singletary, I think, um, you know, as a running back three, as a flex, especially in PPR, could make sense just because of the matchup. Again, there's risk with him in, in the first game back from the hamstring. If you're going to exaggerate the guy's age, you got to do it to a level where people know that you're kidding. Because right now, people are like, wait a second, 45? I'll look him up. I didn't realize that That's was That's exactly age. what I was going for. <laughs> uh, John Brown was limited by a groin issue Wednesday. According to the Buffalo News, John Brown was not a player that Sean McDermott mentioned ahead of practice about as somebody who was going to be limited. So I, I haven't seen whether it is, but I wonder yeah. if it's an injury that popped up during practice. I, I saw this morning that he was on the practice field for the start of Thursday's practice. You know, we'll see how he's listed, but I think it's good news that he was out there. Mm-hmm. I, I expect him to play. We'll keep an eye on it. And I think Brown is, uh, you know, wide receiver two with upside in this matchup. Football outsider says Miami 32nd in coverage against number one wideouts. Only because they can't be any lower. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, anybody who is a viable option for Buffalo is in starting lineups if yeah. they're active here. Tyler Croft is, is something to watch. He returned to the field for the first time Wednesday since his offseason foot fracture, a full practice at that. So I don't know what his role is going to be at this point because Dawson yeah. Knox has begun to emerge. Is a rookie, was a third-round pick, right? Third-rounder, yeah. So a guy they like. So we'll see whether Croft returning would affect yeah. Dawson Knox's role. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo spent a third-round pick on Knox. He's looks good. Buffalo also, though, paid Tyler Croft way too much money. So mm-hmm. I think I think he's going to be involved. It adds risk 
to Dawson Knox. We'll see what the snap counts and the targets and all that look like after this week's game. I still think Knox in play, though, just because of this matchup. Yeah, I would go ahead and use Knox because of who they're playing this week, and then we'll judge it beyond that. Jaguars at Bengals. Jags are four-point favorites on the road. The Bengals are winless and hapless. Let's start with the Bengals' defense because we've got a lot of guys. Mm. Carlos Dunlap didn't practice Wednesday, defensive end. He missed last week with a knee injury. His replacement, Carl Lawson, did not practice Wednesday because of a hamstring injury. Both starting outside corners for the Bengals look like they're going to be out. William Jackson, Drake Kirkpatrick. Safety Sean Williams is limited. He played through a questionable tag last week, but only played about half the game. So obviously looks questionable at best for this one. I think with all that... In play, I mean, DJ Chark is a yeah. strong option this week, and DD Westbrook is an option despite disappointing last week. Yeah, and Westbrook also, uh, the team announced this morning he's not going to practice today on Thursday because of a shoulder. Um, he wasn't on the injury report Wednesday, so we'll see if it's, you know, more of a rest day or if he actually got hurt on Wednesday. I do think, you know, Westbrook is in play as a wide receiver three if he ends up going. Chark's an elite fantasy option. Not a surprise that he struggled against Marshawn Lattimore last week. Chark still saw seven targets in that game. Now he gets a much, much better matchup. Yeah, it's time to start treating the Saints as a tougher matchup. They started the season soft, but they've been tough now for three straight games. So that's not a positive passing matchup right now. Gardner Minshew is a streaming option, but he's boom bust. It's going to be Leonard Fournette week. So Minshew's an option, but he's like middle of QB2 territory. Yeah, I mean, he had his first dud last week. I do think a lot of it was the matchup against the Saints. Uh, Minshew also, though, dead last in PFF's passing grades last week. So he didn't play well. Definitely a nice bounce back spot, though. Like like you said, though, I think volume is a concern. This could be a 30-touch day for Fournette and you know 25 attempts for Gardner Minshew. Yeah, and Minshew hasn't been a high-volume passer to right. this point. He's been an efficient passer. It's a good spot for efficient passing, and there's certainly room for both him and Fournette to score in this game. Yep. But, you know, we're talking like QB 16, QB 17 yes. at the end of the week. Yep. Jeff Swaim did not practice Wednesday. He's got a concussion and an ankle issue. I mentioned that only because <laughs> it allows me to mention Josh Oliver I, you know, we have to yeah. wonder if he's going to play soon. He's still limited in practice, though. He's been limited since week five. Yeah, so Seth Devolve is uh, is the guy if Josh <laughs> Allen devolves doesn't, into that. Yeah, it doesn't play, yep. All right, anything else in that game? Uh, we got to talk about the Bengals a little, don't we? <laughs> Do we? All right, go ahead. <laughs> Tyler Boyd, I would continue to play him. Yep. Um, 10-plus targets in, in four of six games. Only three wide receivers have more targets. Jags allowing the ninth fewest fantasy points to slot receiver. So not a great matchup there, but you know, he, he's Jalen Ramsey's out of the picture. AJ Boyd is on the outside. So I, I think Boyd should be in for another busy game. Auden Tate averaging 8.5 targets per game now. And you know, he's at least not going to have to see Jalen Ramsey. So I think Tate is like a wide receiver three option as well. Mm-hmm. Joe, Mixon Joe Mixon is somebody that you kind of have to reluctantly yeah. start. I, I can't understand why that guy is not getting more passing game usage. And we're just, I'm just going to say that every week on the podcast. I, I don't get it either. I, at least the Jags are 32nd in football outsiders run D giving up 5.4 yards per carry. So, you know, for as long as the Bengals are within a couple scores and can give the ball to Mixon, he, he should be, more efficient than he has been. It's not even fun to talk about him, though. No, it's not. It's not, you can't say, oh, you benched Joe Mixon because he's the lead running back. And yeah. you can't say, oh, it's a good week for Joe Mixon because of the, the Bengals. So. And the guy's still good. It's just a horrible yep. situation. Yep. All right, now can we move on to a yeah, different that's game? It, that's good. It. Vikings at the Lions. Vikings are one-point favorites. That was after the Lions opened as two-point favorites in this home game. Kirk Cousins comes off two straight strong outings. But he faces a Lions defense that Football Outsiders rates 10th in pass defense DVOA. I'm not interested in Kirk Cousins yeah. in this one. Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, certainly both in play. But neither 
as high as their respective big games the past two right. weeks would suggest. Yeah, and the Lions are seventeenth um, in Football Outsiders run defense DBA, so you know they're they're tougher against the pass. It should only push Minnesota to be more run heavy than they usually are. Thielen, I'm still okay with. Like I feel better about him. Um, you know, he's seen five plus targets in five straight games now. Eight targets in three of those games. Stephon Diggs, that was his first game all season with more than seven targets. He has games of four, three, and two targets among his first six. So I, you know, I don't trust the volume with Stephon Diggs. He's, you know, in play, but you got to know the floor is still low. I think Detroit wins this game if I'm picking it. So maybe that motivates passing mm-hmm. a little bit, but I also don't think that Detroit's going to jump ahead by, you know, 14 points and force Minnesota to throw it. So I, I'm not expecting elevated volume. Yeah. This is basically a game that I'm going to try to stay away from where I can in most cases. Yeah, me too. Kenny Galladay is an every week starter. He's not going to deliver for you every week because no receiver just, you know, does it every single week pretty much. Yeah. But he's seen eight plus targets in every game so far. So he's somebody that just stays in your lineup. Yep. He's wide receiver 13 in PPR now. He's tied for the league lead with seven targets inside the 10 yard line. So he's getting those touchdown opportunities. Probably going to see the Xavier Rhodes shadow this week. But, you know, Rhodes hasn't been a guy we need to shy away from this season. No, not at all. Marvin Jones. I really, every week I wonder if there's something to say about Marvin Jones. There's just not. I mean, (laughs) he's a fringe option every single week. He's seen six targets or fewer in four or five games. He's seen five or fewer in three of the five games so far. You know, might do something. He might not. (laughs) Yeah, here's my variation of the target numbers. He's seen between four to six targets in four of his five games. He had nine targets in the other. So he's definitely the, you know, the secondary wide receiver in this offense. And, you know, Detroit hasn't been as run heavy as we thought, but it's, you know, it's still not a high volume passing offense. So, you know, you're you're getting a guy with a a pretty low floor in Marvin Jones right now. Mm hmm. TJ Hawkinson, there's another big game coming at some point. It hasn't been since week one so far, but there's another one coming. Yeah. The Vikings are not a tremendous matchup. They're one of five teams that have allowed that have not allowed a, t- a touchdown to tight ends yet. They're allowing just nine yards per catch to the position, but only the Cardinals and Chiefs have allowed more receptions to the position. So we could see more than usual work for Hawkinson in this one. Yeah, so this is... From J.J. Zacharyson, uh, he's late round quarterback on Twitter, 27.3% of the pass yards the Vikings have allowed have gone to tight ends. That's the, that's the third highest rate in the league. So, you know, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, the, the cornerbacks or just the scheme, teams seem to be featuring their tight ends more than usual against Minnesota. So, yeah, I think this is a pretty good spot for, for Hawkinson. We had a big one from Austin Hooper in week one. We had both Zach Ertz and uh, Dallas Goddard heavily involved yeah. this past week. So I, I think that we could get good volume, and Hawkinson's going to get in the end zone at some There have been multiple <laughs> games where he's had yeah. multiple touchdown chances that did not pay off. So at yes. some point, there's going to be a two-touchdown game. I just hope that he is in my DFS lineups <laughs> when it happens because he has been in well, too many where it didn't. Well, if you keep playing him every week, he'll be in there. Right now, <laughs> no. so. That's what I'm worried about, though, is uh, one week I'll be like, all right, I'm not going to play Hawkinson just, this week, yeah. and then there it is. Yep. Anything else from that game? Carry on Johnson, tough matchup, but he's an every week starter with the yeah. usage. I know he didn't have a big game on Monday night, but got the touchdown. Still got 74% of the running back opportunities, 13 carries, four targets. So he's an every week starter. I feel like it's almost like any guy who's getting 16 or so carries a game at this oh, point, yeah. we just don't even talk about. True. All right. You all start right. them. All right. New rule. We won't talk about those guys. <laughs> Raiders at Packers, where we'll probably start, we'll probably talk about a couple guys who are getting 16 plus carries. <laughs> the Packers are five and a half point favorites here. It's down one from the open, but I, I still think that it's too big. The Packers have failed to cover now in two straight home games. They did win as the underdog at Dallas, but they lost to Philly at home. They should have lost to Detroit on Monday night. 
The Raiders have been an underdog by at least three points every game so far this year. They have won three of those outright. Only the Chiefs and Vikings covered against them. They have won two straight where they were underdogs by at least five and a half. I think Oakland could win this game. Wouldn't bet on them to do that, but I think it'll be closer than the line suggests. I think the Raiders are better than most people think. I mean, their O-line has been one of the better units in the league this year. Their their run defense has been good. Um, you know, their, their pass defense is the weakness, but I don't know if Green Bay can take advantage of that this week with all their wide receiver injuries. Yeah, Devontae Adams, turf toe, still not practicing. Geronimo Allison didn't practice Wednesday. He's got a concussion and a chest injury. Marquez Valdez-Scantling didn't practice Wednesday. He returned Mm -hmm. with his injury to the Monday night game, but he's dealing with an ankle and a knee, so we'll have to watch him this week to make sure he's going to play. And I think with all of that said, is Alan Lazard now (laughs) Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle? (laughs) Uh, Could be either. I like both those guys. (laughs) No, I mean, Lazard looks good. More than anything else in the Packers wide receiver core, it matters if Aaron Rodgers likes you or not. And Aaron Rodgers likes Alan Lazard. He he said after the game that he sort of pushed to get Lazard into that game. Mm -hmm. And then Lazard, you know, produced. Yeah, Lazard produced on the stretch. So, um, you know, Jake Kumaro was still like the clear guy behind Geronimo Allison and MBS. But if Adams and Allison are out, you know, I think I think Lazar could get some playing time. I think he's more of a DFS option. Though. I don't think you're gonna, you know, need to go to him in season long. I had Kumaro in a showdown lineup and he played a lot okay. but did not see the ball a lot. Yeah. It, Lazar keeps getting praised for that touchdown catch. I thought that was kind of a crappy catch. I mean, he should have caught it with his yeah, hands. Yeah, he ended was, up catching it in his groin. Yeah, it was a great throw. Yeah, great the throw, throw was amazing. Yeah. The catch was like, well, good thing you hung on to it. Otherwise, he wouldn't like you anymore. I would I would rank the Packers wide receivers, assuming, assuming Adams and Allison are out. I'd still go MVS 1. I'd go Kumaro 2 just because he's you know, he still played well ahead of Lazard. And I, I would go Lazard 3. And then Darius Shepard is in the mix too, but he'd be my fourth guy. Oof. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are both in play, especially because of those wide receiver injuries. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think that we're going to see a shift to Jamal Williams. I think it's going to be a hot hand situation where we easily could see either guy outperforming the other. Yeah, I think it's going to be a hot hand. I think it's going to be like Tampa where like Jones is the Peyton Barber where he's going to get the first you know crack at being a hot hand. I still think Jones is the better bet. But yeah, I think both guys are fantasy starters this week. Like I said, though, Oakland's been pretty good in Rundy. Um, mm-hmm. Football Outsiders has them sixth best giving up just four yards per carry. And that number drops to 3.5 if you take out Dalvin Cook, who, you know, has just been running over everyone besides the Eagles. Um, So, you know, not a great matchup for the Packers running backs, but they're at home, they're favorites. You know, both guys could get 15 touches in this game. Right. They're not exciting options, but they're definitely both options. Jimmy Graham might be taking himself out of Aaron Rodgers' graces, dropped a touchdown against the Lions. He has played in every game, but he's topped five targets just once, eight total targets over the past two games. He has topped 30 yards just twice, topped 41 yards once. I would hope that I don't have to use Jimmy Graham this week. I would hope so, too. He you know, still sits in the top 12 in our rankings <laughs> just because there's not any not other better options. I mean, it's another good spot, theoretically, because all the wide receiver injuries, um, the Raiders are 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. But, I mean, I, I think with Graham, you're hoping that he you know actually – Secure as a touchdown catch because um, he's not going to you know, put up a whole bunch of yards. But just so you know, if you email me this week and say, <laughs> well, what's the argument for playing Jimmy Graham over Darren Fells? I don't have it. If you want to play Darren Fells over Jimmy Graham, go yeah. for it. Yep, I agree. <laughs> it's just a, a matter of placing your bet on the guy who's playing more often right. and whatever. Uh, on the Oakland side, Tyrell Williams missed practice Wednesday. He's got a foot issue. It's plantar fasciitis was the yeah. last report we saw. That tends to be something that just lingers and you have to deal with it and learn how to play through the pain. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that he didn't practice coming off the bye week makes me think he's not going to play this week. So, 
it's Hunter Renfro, it's Zay Jones who they just acquired. Um, you know, I, it's I, Josh Jacobs. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, uh, Jacobs and Darren Waller are the only Raiders really in play this week. Yeah, I'm not interested in a non-Tyrell receiver. We'll see about Zay Jones's role. They did mm-hmm. trade for him. You know, I, I'm sure that they didn't do it so they could stash him on the bench. So we'll see. But I'm I'm also not using Zay Jones in his first game with the team. Right. Josh Jacobs is an every week starter. Darren Waller, his playing time dipped under 90% for the first time this year back in week five. He saw a season-low five targets. Uh, and Foster Moreau has seen his playing time climb for three straight games, season-high 61% against the Bears. But we also then got Darren Waller contract right. extension. Yeah, I think Moreau's probably playing more because of the wide receiver issues in Oakland. Yeah, I I don't think he's going to really bite into Darren Waller's targets. I, you know, I still think Waller, the, the best bet to lead Oakland in targets this week. Yeah, and going from 90 to 95% to 80% is not a, right. a killer for Waller's value. Yep. On to Texans at the Colts. Colts are one-point favorites. It opened as a pick em. We got a 47-point over-under. It feels low for this game to me. Um, It feels right to me, honestly. I don't know. Fine. The, Col- the Colts play super slow, which is the issue. Mm-hmm. Football Outsiders does have the Indy defense 28th in overall DVOA, 22nd against the pass, 28th against the run. Even after they played Patrick Mahomes well last time out, mm-hmm. limited the Chiefs to 13 points in that game. Previous four opponents, though, averaged 25 and a half points. I'm playing everybody on the Houston side who makes sense. Yeah. For me, that does not include Kiki Cutie. Yeah, Kenny Stills full practice on Wednesday, so I'm expecting him back this week. You know, he, he was playing ahead of Cutie before the hamstring injury. So I think, you know, that that takes Kiki out of play, and I, I think I'd, you know, wait on using Stills too. Yeah, I'm not using Stills this week, but I would, if I had to guess right now who who scores more the rest of the way, I would bet on Kenny Stills. Yeah, me too. Uh, it does include the tight ends if you need one. I mean, Darren Fells and Jordan Akins are still playing very close to the same amount of time, running yeah. the same number of routes. So it's flipping a coin between them, but either one could score it in any given week at this point. Yeah. Both guys' usage has actually climbed the last two weeks. They both play, They both ran a route on 63% of Watson's dropbacks in Week 5, and they both ran a route on 67% of Watson's dropbacks in Week 6. So it, it still sucks that they're you know both in the mix, but if they're going to be running routes on 60-plus you know, percent, they're in play at least. Um, the matchup's good here, too. Colts are 19th in Football Outsiders tight end coverage. They're 18th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. There you go. On the Colts side, T.Y. Hilton and Marlon Mack were off the injury report. Both were questionable back in week five, but played through those tags. So they seem to be in good shape this week, and it's fine matchups for both guys. Yep. Mack's a guy we can you know just not talk about, assuming he's healthy, because he's going to get the volume. T.Y. Hilton has torched Houston throughout his career. I won't read the numbers. You can go look them up. Um, also, Bradley Roby is out for this game. He's the Texans' best corner based on the PFF grades. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Joseph missed last week's game, too, so we'll see about him. He has not been good. He's been heavily targeted. So whether he's in or out probably doesn't affect the matchup. But, you know, playing with guys who can't beat the guy who not, who's not playing well uh, can only hurt the defense. Yep. Uh, you'll probably hear about T.Y. Hilton on the DFS shows as well. Yeah, and any DFS show you listen to, I think, this week. <laughs> Pretty much. Jacoby Brissett's a solid streamer this week. I would play him over Gardner Minshew, over Andy Dalton, over either guy in Minnesota, Detroit. The Chiefs game was actually the first one for him this season where he did not throw multiple touchdown passes. Yeah, he's been a top 12 fantasy quarterback in three of his five games. And Houston is the 10th most positive QB matchup according to our strength of schedule mm-hmm. page. Anything else in that game? I would play both Texans tight ends over both Colts tight ends this week because you know both pairs are splitting and the matchup's a lot better for the Texans guys. The Texans defense is actually second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. 
Cardinals at the Giants. Giants by three points. I have no idea what to actually expect from this game, but there should be plenty of scoring. It's yeah. the week's second highest over-under at 50.5 points. On the Cardinals' side, David Johnson did not practice Wednesday, but it was an ankle this mm-hmm. time. Last week, it was a back that had him questionable, played through the questionable tag, and had his normal allotment of opportunities. Yeah, I'm guessing the the ankle is, is you know just a, a day off for DJ, but... We'll have a better idea by Thursday afternoon. Of course, Chase Edmonds should be owned in our all leagues as a you know handcuff. He hasn't reached you know standalone value yet. He did see a bit more work last week. Twenty nine percent of the snaps, five carries, two targets. You know that that's still not enough though to be an option unless you're desperate. Right. He's like Ito Smith, where if you're reaching <laughs> for somebody, then he there's a chance that he catches five passes in a yeah. given game or finds the end zone. Christian Kirk was limited Wednesday with an ankle in with his ankle sprain. Uh, he was also limited all last week yeah. and did not play in that game. So we'll have to watch him to see if he's ready to return. We did get Demir Bird back last week, but he only played 22% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. Bird is off the injury report this week, though. So I would I would think that means that we, we get full playing time from him this week. Makes him at least a PPR flex option, maybe even better if Kirk stays out. Would you use Bird over Keyshawn Johnson if we're talking about Cardinals wideouts? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Keyshawn Johnson's been playing. I don't know if Not Bird is the injury stuff. Yeah. I, so pro- probably if they're both at, at full strength at the end of the week, I would yeah. probably go Bird. Hopefully Kirk plays. If he plays, I think I think you, know, you get him back in, in fantasy lineups. Yeah, I agree with that. And either way, Kyler Murray is a strong starter this week against the Giants. Oh, yeah. On the Giants' side, Wayne Gallman returned to a limited practice from his concussion, but uh, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter because Thank Saquon God. Barkley practiced in full, <laughs> so it's going to be Saquon Barkley week. And he has barely played with Daniel Jones yet. Yeah. He went down in the second quarter of that Bucks game. That was Jones's first start. Yeah, and the Giants, it seems like they've played it you know, smart here with Saquon. Like you said, a full go Wednesday. So I'm expecting him to return to his usual workhorse role. Can't believe you ruined my setup with the Wayne Gallman thing. <laughs> Evan Ingram practiced in full as well after right. missing the Thursday night loss to the Patriots, so he should be ready to go. Sterling Shepard was still limited Wednesday. He's coming off a concussion, so we're going to have to wait and see on him. Yeah, Ingram wasn't going to miss this Cardinals game. He, he knows he's going to blow up. Um, I'm not expecting Shepard to play after you know two concussions in a month. Great spot for Golden Tate. Um, you know He's been the giant slot guy, 79% of his snaps in the slot. That means he'll avoid Patrick Peterson, who we should mention is back this week, so that helps the Cardinals pass defense. I don't think it's going to save it and turn into a unit we should avoid, um, especially this week. You know, Peterson's going to be on the perimeter on Darius Slayton and Cody Latimer, and you're going to have Golden Tate in the slot doing damage, Evan Ingram doing damage, Saquon Barkley doing damage. So like Golden Tate, and I like Daniel Jones as, you know, a lower-end quarterback one this week. And we'll see if maybe Patrick Peterson gets traded before the weekend. <laughs> Daniel Jones, by the way, he had that huge game against the Bucks. Since then, three touchdown passes, six interceptions in three games. Yeah. He had 12 and 8 rushing yards on five total carries over the past two. You know, we knew that they were going to be tough matchups against Minnesota and New right. England, but he had just a meh game against Washington before that. So we, we got to kind of see what's going to happen here in a positive matchup. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm- Fairly confident he'll take advantage of this. I mean, like you said, Minnesota and New England, you know, two of the tougher matchups you could you could ask for for, you know, a quarterback, especially a rookie quarterback. You know, the Washington Washington game wasn't great, but I, I think, you know, that this matchup just as good as that one. I, I would I would go back to him, you know, if, if you've been streaming quarterbacks this season. Yes, I would certainly play Daniel Jones over streaming guys that we mentioned before, including Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that I would play him over Tom Brady if I had that decision to make this mm-hmm. week. Just I, I would have to go safety over upside there. Yeah, Brady's, Brady's definitely safer. What about Daniel Jones versus Aaron Rodgers? I'd play Daniel Jones. <laughs> I don't like Aaron Rodgers nearly as much as you do, especially with all the wide receiver injuries. Yeah, I, I mean, I... 
believe we have Jones ranked over Rodgers. And I would play Jones. We don't. We don't. We I, would, I would play Jones over Rodgers if um, Adams and Allison are up. All right. So we'll have to keep looking at that one as mm-hmm. the week moves forward. Both defenses in this game, by the way, face what look like very positive matchups. Yeah. I would try not to use either one because they're both bad defenses. These are both offenses that should score plenty of points. You know, there's sack and turnover upside, but if you don't get the turnovers, I just don't think that you're going to get big yeah. defensive scores here. Yep, I agree. I, I like both offenses to, you know, beat the opposing Ds in this game. Yeah, and it, it's certainly possible for a defense to allow 31 points and still have mm-hmm. a good fantasy outing, yeah. but I would play the Lions over either of these because I think that's going to be a much lower scoring game. Yep, so would I. On to Niners at Washington. Speaking of low scoring, Niners are 10-point favorites here. George Kittle did not practice Wednesday. He's got the groin issue. It popped up last week on Friday. It happened in Friday's practice, and he was questionable. He played through it, had a big game. So we'll have to watch him to make sure it's not an issue, but I'm not currently worried about it. Yeah, he looked like like, like the, George Kittle. Yeah, like George Kittle in that Rams game, yeah. So I think he'll be fine. We'll keep an eye on it. The Redskins, 26th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Raheem Mostert did not practice because of the knee issue on Wednesday. Doesn't really matter for him, but if he's out, I mean, there should be even more available for Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida. We'd probably see Jeff, see Jeff Wilson get in the mix if Mostert's out, because, you know, that's Kyle Shanahan. But yeah. Uh, he could be the uh, garbage time guy this week. Yeah. Uh, Tevin Coleman's week six was encouraging. Um, 56% of the snaps that led the backfield. 18 carries led the backfield there. He saw three targets. Uh, Matt Breda saw four, but uh, Coleman ran more pass routes than Matt Breda. And Coleman's clearly the goal line guy now. He had five carries inside the 10-yard line against the Rams. He had one target inside the 10. It was a, a dropped pass in the end zone. Not a good throw, but, you know, still should have been a touchdown. So Coleman definitely has emerged as the lead back in this run-heavy offense. Yeah, he scored one. He scored the first touchdown against the Rams. He should have had the one that was a reception. Mm-hmm. And then he got three straight plays <laughs> that nearly got him into the end zone. So it, it could have been a huge game. I think there is definitely potential for a huge game here. Yep. I'll be playing Tevin Coleman anywhere where that's an option this week. And Matt Breida is absolutely in play as well. Yeah. I think he's... Uh, even a solid RB2. He's gotten the opportunities with Coleman back. It's a terrific matchup where they should be able to give the ball to the running backs as much as they choose to. Yep, exactly. Debo Samuel didn't practice Wednesday. He's got a groin injury. It probably doesn't matter for most of us because I'm not anywhere close (laughs) to playing a Niners receiver yet. I'm not either. Um, I think Dante Pettis should at least be owned in deeper leagues if he was (laughs) dropped. He's been trending up 75% of the snaps last week um led the team in targets uh you know he's still it's it's still not translating to fantasy production but the usage has been better lately and he made a really nice catch in the back of the end zone but just came down out of bounds Mm -hmm. so he could have had a bigger game than he did against the rams yep both offensive tackles remain out for the Niners. That might matter at some point. I don't think it matters against Washington. Agreed. Jimmy Garoppolo is facing the third best QB matchup. The only limitation here might be that it's also the third best running back matchup. Right. It's the run heaviest offense. So Jimmy Garoppolo is not like a ceiling play for me this right. week, but I think he's a safer streamer than probably even I, he and Jacoby Brissett would be a coin flip for me. Yeah, that that's that's close. I think I'd lean Brissett. Yeah, I mean, Garoppolo's already averaging only 29 pass attempts per game. He hasn't topped 33 in a game all season. I don't think he's going to end this matchup. Mm -hmm. And I think I I would probably lean Brissett if I were choosing between them because Jacoby Brissett's got T.Y. Hilton and Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo has George Kittle, so (laughs) it's close. Yeah, Brissett, I mean, Brissett's not going to be a high-volume passer either. He does add some some value with his legs, though. Mm Mm-hmm. 
On the Washington side, we should barely talk about him, but Vernon Davis, limited with a concussion. He was limited all last week as well. Missed the past two games with it. The Niners' defense looks like a brick wall. So, I mean, the only reason that you should be looking at Vernon Davis is because you have no other options. <laughs> yeah, I think Terry McLaurin's the only guy you really should be starting here. I mean, people yes. might want to use Adrian Peterson, but, you know, he goes from a, oh. a Dolphins matchup to a to a Niners matchup. It doesn't, you know, doesn't get more opposed than that. Um, the Niners first in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Yeah, I mean, I would start Devin Singletary pretty comfortably over Adrian Peterson this week. Me too, and I'm I'm a volume guy, but even I'd go with the you know, guy getting eight touches against the Dolphins versus <laughs> yeah. 15 against the Niners. Mm-hmm. Terry McLaurin is okay here. I, I, I started to think that he wasn't because of how good the Niners have been, but... They are 16th against number one receivers, according to Football Outsiders. Mm-hmm. They are 26th against number two receivers. So basically, the outside receiver spots, primarily, that's like the only place that the Niners are looking mortal on defense yeah. right now. Yeah, and and uh, McLaren's volume has been good, too. He has seven-plus targets in all five games this season, a 22% target share. So I, I'm not expecting a big game, but I yeah. think you know he can give you three to five catches and be okay. Right. All that said, he's still in wide receiver three range. Yes. You're just kind of hoping that he gets a touchdown on one of those. He's, I, gonna, I, he's not going to get a touchdown. Oh, <laughs> he's going to have a one catch for a 72-yard touchdown on now, five targets. Dead. Now, he's going to score um, like a five-yard touchdown with like 30 seconds left in a 24-3 <laughs> uh, to three game. There you go. Chargers at Titans. The Titans are two-point favorites here. It's up a little bit from opening at one. Despite the quarterback switch, maybe because of the quarterback <laughs> switch, I don't know. It opened as the week's lowest over under at thirty eight and a half. It's up to forty now, though. That passed the Saints Bears to not be the lowest anymore. So Tennessee's defense is tenth in overall DVOA, twelfth against the pass, tenth against the run. It's not a good matchup for anybody on the Chargers side. Mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler are both in play, but they're not exciting by any means. I mean, the problem with the Chargers is the offensive line right now. You know, they've been without Russell Okun. They lost uh, Pouncey for, I think, for the season, right? I think so. Um, regardless, yeah, he's definitely out this weekend. The Titans are sixth in the NFL in sacks. They're eighth in, adju- in adjusted sack rate. So I, I worry about Rivers here. Okung said he might return as soon as this week, so mm. we'll see if that happens to help. Otherwise, you're just kind of reluctantly putting these guys in your line, but it's probably yeah. a better spot for Eckler because I don't like the Chargers' chances of running effectively in this game. Me either. It just seems like the Chargers are committed to you know going with mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon as their lead guy. Um, Gordon and Eckler saw four targets apiece last week. Melvin Gordon ran more pass routes, though. 59% <laughs> route rate, 43% for Eckler. So I think they're both going to be you know, involved in the passing game here. Mm-hmm. I just don't think we're going to get another you know, 16-target game from Eckler like yeah. we did in Week 5. Oh, I agree with that. I cross your fingers for a, a touchdown from either guy. And mm-hmm. I certainly, I'm, if I have both of them, I'm not starting Eckler over Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I agree. Keenan Allen's annoying that he's seen five, six, and six targets over the past three games, but you just have to suck it up and keep playing him at this point, really. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to make excuses for him, you know, the Chargers had the big lead against Miami. They didn't need to throw. He saw Chris Harris in week five, who Harris has done a good job on him, you know, in, in recent memory here. And then the whole team just put up a dud against Pittsburgh. So I, I even think Allen's a good buy low right now if you can get him. I mean, I don't think he's going to return to what we saw those first three weeks, but he's going to be a lot more productive than we've seen the past three. Yeah, he'll settle in somewhere in between. It's I, I, it seems like every year, it was at least at one point early last year where we get this stretch of no touchdowns from Keenan yeah. Allen, and people start complaining and wondering what's going on with him, and then he turns it around. Yeah, I do think he's not going to get back to the volume, the usage he was getting early, because um, we have Hunter Henry back now. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, the backfield is back at full strength. Mike Williams is playing a big role. Williams has uh, 30 targets over the past three games. He's out-targeted Allen uh, over the past three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 13 and 10 targets over his past two since he returned from injury. 
So Mike Williams is a, a solid play. Again, mm-hmm. it's not a good matchup for anybody, so I wouldn't yeah. call him an awesome play. And he's been inefficient with yeah. his targets, but uh, still in play. It's a, a terrific matchup for Hunter Henry, though. He's going to be just in lineups indefinitely. Uh, yeah, he's he's right back to a high-end tight end one. On the other side, Delaney Walker began practice week on the field. It was the mm-hmm. first time since week three he was limited, but this time it was an ankle. It was a knee uh, every other week before. <laughs> so it's good news from him. And the other good news is that he played his second most snaps of the year against Denver, 40 total snaps, 57% of the team total for the game. It was So it was that knee, and it was not Johnny yeah. Smith working past him on the depth chart that limited Delaney Walker. So that's good because, you know, we've been losing tight ends like right. first graders' teeth to yeah. this point. Yeah, I think Walker is back in the low-end tight end one mix. Like you said, playing time was up last week. Um, ran a route on 70% of Mariota slash Tannehill's dropbacks <laughs> after he was, you know, down around 50% the past two weeks. So, yeah, he's, it seems like he's healthy again. Um, this is like a neutral matchup. The Chargers are 17th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Yeah. The big story for the game is that Ryan Tannehill is starting over Marcus Mariota, but it's buried here because I'm not sure how much it matters for fantasy. I mean, we, we've seen Tannehill enough where I'm comfortable saying, you know, he's he, he's not a big upgrade over Mariota if he's an upgrade at all. I, he did look a lot better in that game last week. Like just seeing, you know, seeing Mariota for the first two and a half quarters and then Tannehill coming in after. Tannehill definitely played better, sparked the offense a little bit. He he kept bogging down in the red zone, so they didn't put up any points. But he did go uh, 13 of 16 for 144 yards. So now we've seen quarterback changes like spark offenses before. I still wouldn't want to mess with these receivers, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just, you know, Delaney Walker and then Derrick Henry, of course. I hope that he plays well enough that we can like A.J. Brown and Corey Davis going yeah. forward, but I'm certainly not using either of them this week if I can help it. I'll be watching Adam Humphreys, too. Like, Tannehill peppered Jarvis Landry with targets in Miami, and maybe that was just because, you know, Absolutely he was yeah. clearly the best receiver in Miami, but the Titans gave Adam Humphreys a lot of money this offseason. Um, Humphreys matched Corey Davis. Um, they both saw four targets from Tannehill. That was tops on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see where this goes. Saints at Bears. Bears are three and a half point favorites. It's down a half point. It is the week's lowest over under at 38 and a half. And I would try not to play anybody here. <laughs> Alvin Kamara is the big one to watch. He played through a swollen ankle last week at Jacksonville. He tweaked a knee, quote unquote, in that game. So started this week not practicing. We're going to have to watch him this yeah. week to see. I mean, he's low in running back two territory for now, I think. Yeah, we were talking this morning about um, Kamara versus like the Broncos running backs tonight. If if that's a decision you have, I would just use Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman. I, I, I hope the Saints just sort of sit Kamara this week, let mm-hmm. him rest up. It's not a good spot anyways. Even if he plays, I think he's still going to be like an RB2. Um, and if Kamara's out, as ugly as it is, I think Latavius Murray is going to be at least a running back too, just based on volume. Well, definitely a running back too, I would say. I'm not going to elevate him beyond that. Yeah. But I would have, unless Alvin Kamara has some big turnaround in practice this week, uh, whether it's participation or how Sean Payton's talking about him, I would have a hard time starting him over Matt Breida as of right now. Um, I'd be okay using Breida and non-PPR. I mean, Kamara still caught, like, I think it was eight balls last week, right? I don't even know. Yeah, he, he, he caught a bunch. So, you know, it, it'd be tough for me to sit him in PPR. Um, but, again, I sort of hope they sit him. And, again, if they do, I, I think, I mean, you're going to get 15-plus touches out of out of uh, Latavius Murray. I think that makes him an option. Mm-hmm. Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, basically the only guys I'm relatively comfy with in this game. 
And even A-Rob, I mean, he's he gets Lattimore this week. Lattimore has, you know, held Amari Cooper to 48 yards, held Mike Evans to 53, held DJ Chark to 43. So I think, to me, A-Rob's a wide receiver three this week versus, you know, normal wide receiver two status. Is he going to follow him into the slot? Um, that's a good question. I don't think he has been. How much How much uh, slot time has Robinson been seeing? I think that he's pretty evenly across the field. It's not, you know, exactly a third, but it's over 20% at that each helps. of the spots. So he'll move around enough, I think. And, I mean, the, Chicago should be targeting yeah. him everywhere, especially when he gets away from Lattimore. So I don't think I'll ever go into a week thinking, oh, Allen Robinson's a good start. <laughs> Because yeah. Mitchell Trubisky's back this week. Right. he's uh, He was a full practice participant Wednesday. So that's always going to limit the floor. Sure. But I feel okay about Allen Robinson. Yeah, Robinson's been about 40% in the slot. And his volume's been good. He's looked awesome. So I, I, I'm not benching him, but I do think he right. should be downgraded in the matchup. Yes, because Mitchell Trubisky's back. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Gabriel is back at a full practice as well. Not sure how much that matters for anything. The past three games, we talked about the Saints matchup before. The past three games, the Saints have allowed 212 passing yards to the Cowboys, 158 to the Buccaneers, and 151 to Jacksonville. So they're a tough passing matchup right now. Yeah, I, I don't like this game in general. That said, your uh, super deep sleeper is Anthony Miller this week, um, <laughs> who seems like he's healthier. He's at season highs with a 77% snap rate and seven targets in that last game in London against the Raiders. He runs 68% of his routes from the slot. That's, you know, been the spot to attack the Saints. The Saints actually lost their slot man, P.J. Williams, to a suspension. So now it's Patrick Robinson taking over. So I don't think that's going to you know, make the matchup any tougher for Miller's DFS option only, but but keep him in mind. Patrick Robinson's an odd guy because a couple years ago yeah. he was he had a terrific season for the Eagles team that won the Super Bowl, and then now he's the playing Saints, behind yeah. PJ Williams. Yeah, the Saints gave him a lot of money. I think they they thought he was good, but he, I don't know. he was down before being up with the Eagles too. So yeah. I, he's one of those players who could play well, but you certainly can't assume that he's going to play well if he couldn't beat out yeah. the weak spot in the New Orleans secondary or a weak spot. I'll be curious to look at. Anthony Miller on like DraftKings because yeah. he's probably in the low 3K range. I'm sure he is. Honestly, I'm probably not going to play him. Uh, but if you're <laughs> someone who plays, you know, 20 plus tourney lineups, I think he's someone you mm-hmm. might want to you know, throw in your pool. David Montgomery, 11 carries, one target in the loss to Oakland. So, I mean, he's in the mix, but yeah. I can't talk him up at all. I think he got he got game flowed out. I mean, they, they <laughs> fell behind early, which no one expected. He still saw 11 of the 15 running back carries. So, I do think, you know, he's still the clear lead ball carrier. This game's going to be ugly, but I do think it's going to stay close throughout. So I think I would bet on Montgomery getting 15-plus touches again this week. I would hope so. Ravens at Seahawks. Seahawks are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Marquise Brown did not practice Wednesday. He missed last week. I would sure try not to use him unless he's back to a full practice by the end of this week. Yep, agreed with that, and I don't think you want to use any other Ravens wideouts either. Yeah, I agree. Mark Andrews, though, finally off the injury report. It's a great spot for him. Seattle's giving up lots of points to the position. Seattle, not Arizona, is dead last in our adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Um, Just in the last two weeks, they gave up that 136-yard game to Gerald Everett, and then Ricky Seals-Jones went for 47 yards and a touchdown last week. Mark Ingram on the Baltimore side is fine. Seattle's 21st in run defense DVOA. We just can't count on Ingram getting the carry volume. He's seen 13 carries or fewer three times through six games, and two of those came in games that his team won. He has at least scored touchdowns in Mm -hmm. four of six contests so far, including two games of two-plus touchdowns. So again, he's fine, but you know if we were getting more carries weekly for Ingram than he'd be like running right. back nine this week. Yeah, they're, they're they're basically keeping him in like the 12 to 16 carry range. I think he's been in that range in every game but one so far. Seahawks are getting Jerron Reed back. Does that does it matter for the running matchup? 
I think that it matters more for the pass rush, mm-hmm. and I don't know how much he's going to play it. Pete Carroll indicated that he's he expects Reed to be rusty, and he's trying to keep Reed from doing too much. Okay. Yeah, Seattle so far, 21st in football outsiders, run D, 22nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Yeah, so it should be a fine spot for Mark Ingram. The only question is how much he gets it. For most of yep. us, it probably doesn't matter right. in making the decision. Yep. On the Seattle side... I mean, this matchup is certainly not scaring me off from anybody that I would consider playing normally. No, I mean, I think, like, DK Metcalf is the fringe guy in the Seahawks offense. Um, Ravens, of course, just acquired Marcus Peters. Um, I would, you know, expect him to see Metcalf for most of this game. Not a matchup I would shy away from, though. Yeah, he just got traded for a reserve inside <laughs> yeah. linebacker, by the I mean, way. Yeah, I mean, so. that, was a, that was a salary dump, so the Rams could, yeah. just could uh, acquire Ramsey. That was not the Ravens picking up a <laughs> shutdown corner. Yeah. That was them taking a guy I mean, that the Rams were yeah. done with. He's better than what they've been trotting out there, so I do think it helps. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Eagles at Cowboys. Cowboys are three-point favorites. Deshaun Jackson, there's been some optimism that he returns this week, but he yeah. still was not practicing Wednesday, so we certainly can't counter at this point. We'll watch and see what happens, I guess. Yep, I would try not to use DJX if he does play. I do think it would help Carson Wentz, though. Yeah, sure. there, there hasn't been a real vertical threat in this passing game since DJX went down. And that's something they keep looking for every single year, yeah. and it finally arrived in week one, and then he went down in week two and hasn't been back since. So sad, sad. It will absolutely help Carson Wentz whenever he does make it back. I hope that they don't bring him back too early yeah. to try to force him back and let him get healthy instead. On defense... Nigel Bradham, their top linebacker, has an ankle sprain. He didn't practice Wednesday. He left the Minnesota game early. So we'll see. If he's out, then their top two linebackers are two guys who, before the Minnesota game, had not played 40% of the snaps Mm -hmm. in any game. Nate Jerry and Camus Grugier-Hill. So it's going to be a group that Dallas targets for sure, which they already like to do with Ezekiel Elliott. Yep. Yeah, Zeke has been, you know, he hasn't been super efficient against Philly, but he, he's seen like 20 plus carries in their last four or five meetings here. Looks like the Eagles might get Ronald Darby back. That might help the secondary a little bit. Yeah, he was not playing very well before he went down, but he's certainly better than, better than yeah. what's been there since then. They also got Jalen Mills back at practice this week. He has not played since he suffered a foot injury last October. So, you know, we'll see if he's ready to play football at all. Another guy who is not a superb player, but <laughs> yeah. it's been a starter when he's healthy. So it's it would at least be an improvement over what was chasing Stephon Diggs down the field last week. <laughs> I mean, in any event, no matter who's playing in the secondary for the Eagles, it looks like a spot for Michael Gallup to feast. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I'm not expecting Amari Cooper to play um, after you know he aggravated the quad issue. I think Dallas is going to give him at least one week off. Um, Randall Cobb has missed practice on Wednesday and Thursday, so it looks like it's going to be you know Michael Gallup, then Devin Smith, Tavon Austin, who we saw on the field way <laughs> too much last week, um, Cedric Wilson. So Gallup should really dominate targets here against a bad secondary. The, the concern for Dallas is the offensive tackles. I saw Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins were both practicing on Thursday, so it looks like they have a shot to play. It obviously help Dak Prescott and Zeke if you know one or both of those guys returns this week. Yeah, and I mean, it's worth mentioning for Zeke. I mean, he's starting anyway, so we don't really yeah. have to worry about the matchup. It's been a negative rushing matchup, which we've talked about before. The strongest point for the Philly run defense is the defensive tackles. They penetrate and they stop the running game and you know make it harder for you to find the weak spots at linebacker. So if yeah. the tackles are out, then it's tougher to run Ezekiel Elliott around the outside too. So the linebacker, I'm glad that this one's not on the main slate. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm glad for Zeke's sake that it's not on the main slate. I wish for Gallup's sake. I'm definitely playing yeah. some Monday to Thursday so I can get Michael Gallup in the lineups. Yeah, I, I like Gallup here. Dak's the guy I struggle with. Like, if if the Cowboys were healthy, Dak would 
probably be our number one ranked quarterback this week. But, you know, we have him around like 10th now because it, the, the tackles are what concern me because, you know, Philly does, right. Philly has a pass rush. PFF ranks them sixth in their pass rush grade. So that's my concern. We've seen Dak struggle under pressure these past couple of weeks. And Doug Peterson already guaranteed a victory here. So mm. we'll, we'll see what happens. I there. think the Eagles win this game. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they went into Green Bay and won a game where they yep. were underdogs too. I, I, it should be a good game. Yep. It's only a three-point line. On the Philly offense, by the way, Jordan Howard, I think it's a solid spot for him. The Cowboys linebackers have played have been disappointing to this point to the degree that both Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch are losing snaps at yeah. this stage. Yeah, I think Howard definitely the Eagles running back to play. I think Sanders, his you know couple of long catches sort of masked his underwhelming usage last week. Only played twenty nine percent of the snaps. Only saw three targets. You know, he just happened to catch them all, and you know, a couple of them went for big gains. Only saw three carries as well. Jordan Howard even ran more pass routes than Miles Sanders last week. So, um, you know, you're you're definitely gambling if you're using Sanders because I don't think he's going to get a ton of touches. Yeah, Sanders is an option because they do consistently target him down the field. So when he catches a couple of balls, he's likely to get some decent yardage on that. But like you said, the usage is not to the point where you can count on him. And if he doesn't catch a couple of those downfield balls, then yes. this game's going to be worthless. Yep. All right, Patriots at Jets to finish it out. Patriots are 10-point favorites, of course, even though they're on the road. <laughs> They've allowed only the Steelers in Week 1 and the Bills in Week 4 so far to go over 223 total yards on offense. Mm-hmm. I think these Jets are capable of reaching 300 yards. I wouldn't bet on it, but I think they're capable. I don't think that anything big is coming, however. No, uh, I mean, you're starting Le'Veon Bell because of the usage, even though, you know, in that previous meeting, he sucked sucked last week, previous meeting against the uh, Patriots, 35 yards rushing, four catches for 28 yards. That, of course, was with... He got Falk, falked, right? Yeah, he got he got falked. So Robbie Anderson is going to get Stephon Gilmore. Wouldn't want to use him. Jamison Crowder, I would I would start Crowder over Anderson this week. He's seen more targets from Darnold than Anderson anyway. 17 and then nine and Darnold's two starts. New England is big time unfavorable matchup for outside wide receivers. They're only slightly negative for slot mm-hmm. receivers. And four wide receivers have topped 12 PPR points against the Patriots. They're all slot guys. Golden Tate. Steven Sims, who I looked into, he did run most of his routes in the slot that game uh, for the Redskins. And then wasn't that Colby, the game? Wasn't that the game had, where he had like a 62-yard rushing touchdown? Yeah, or something? he had a couple. He had a couple catches too, but it was mostly the rushing. But <laughs> the, the other wide receivers to top 12 points against the Pats: um, Golden Tate, Cole Beasley, and Juju Smith-Schuster. All slot guys. So I, I do think. You know, Crowder, it's not going to be a big game, but right. he could catch, you know, five, six balls here. Yeah, he's the guy that I would start because he could see 12 targets, catch six of them <laughs> for 50 yards, right. and, you know, that would it's be a, a decent. Game. Right. So, yeah, Sam Darnold did start week 17. He missed the first meeting with the Patriots last year where Josh McCown had a solid day, 264 yards. Sam Darnold did start at New England week 17, had 135 <laughs> yards passing. They had 239 total and three points. The New England defense started being good then. I mean, they held five of their final six opponents last season, regular season to 17 points or fewer. Then, of course, they limited the Rams to three in the Super Bowl. So, like you said, it's Le'Veon Bell. I would try not to use anybody else. Jamison Crowder's okay. Yeah, I'll be curious just to sit back and watch and see how Darnold does in this matchup, but I'll be, you know, yeah, sitting back and not using in him in, in, uh, in any, any fantasy lineups. Right. The Jets' defense is down from 10th to 16th in Football Outsiders' overall DVOA, 17th against the pass, 9th against the run. Maybe it's a tougher day for Sony Michel, but 15-plus carries in five of six games for him so far. Still the top goal line option for the team. He was on the field for yeah. the two Tom Brady touchdown sneaks last week. 
Yeah, the, the one game Michelle didn't get 15-plus touches or, or carries was that Jets game. That was the game he had nine carries for 11 yards, did score the touchdown. Um, Rex Burkhead played in that game and got 11 carries. We'll see if Burkhead's back this week. Michelle seems to be playing better, though. I think he'll fare better this time around. Um, we talked on Tuesday's podcast about his increased passing game usage, um, three targets in back-to-back games now, which helps. The Jets, by the way, expect to get C.J. Mosley back finally. He's been out since week one, so that can only help the run defense as well. James White saw only five targets in each meeting with the Jets last year. Both were lopsided victories. This year, he's seen nine-plus in three straight games. So I think he's a decent RB2 and really a solid-to-good PPR RB2. Yeah, White's finished between 19th and 23rd in PPR points in all five of his games. So he's been consistent. Um, He missed that first Jets game when his wife had the baby. Um, Rex Burkhead had six catches in that game. So, yeah, I think White, as he's been producing, you know, as a low-end running back, too, that's sort of where he should be again here. We're going to have to watch Josh Gordon's practice participation. Yeah. We don't know yet because the Monday thing means they don't need to start reporting until Thursday. Yeah, and it sounds like he wasn't out there for the, you know, portion of practice open to the media on Thursday. So I, I think it's going to be a DNP for him. Dorsett, Philip Dorsett was out there, so he has a shot to return. Yeah, I'm sort of assuming at this point it's going to be Dorsett along with Julian Edelman and then Jacoby Myers as the number three wide up. I would, this is not a matchup where I would be trying to use fringe wide receivers because the Jets yeah. are decent. The, the Jets are weak at corner, mm-hmm. but they're decent overall on defense. I don't think this is going to be a 30-plus point game for the Patriots. I think it's going to be more like 23 or 24. Yeah. I, Philip Dorsett's an option. I would try to find fringe receivers in different games, though, I think. Yep, I agree. Um, you're starting Julian Edelman. Um, I think Dorsett, you know, sort of only a DFS option. And then Jacoby Myers, I think only if Dorsett and Gordon are out would I would I consider Myers. Mm-hmm. Certainly upside. I don't mean to indicate yeah. there's no upside. But Tom Brady, with all that said, is a solid option. I would start him over Carson Wentz. I would start him over Aaron Rodgers. I would start him over Daniel Jones. His only yeah. bad outing so far really has been at Buffalo. He's seen 39-plus pass attempts in four straight games now. The Bills game is the only non-lopsided win that they've had so far he's had two plus touchdowns in every other game except that buffalo one right he's finished as a top 13 fantasy quarterback in five of six games he's been top seven in four of six my concern is just the pass catching core like if gordon is out and especially if door sets out um i think brady's fine i'm a little lower on him than you are yeah but we're just, it just means we're going to have a touchdown to James White, one to Matt Lacoste, yep. and then one that we'll have Edelman drop one, and the other one will go to James Devlin's out for the season, right? Yeah. So um, it can't be him. Ryan Izzo. <laughs> there and, you go. And, and Brady will sneak one in from the one yard. There you again. go. Four touchdown day without <laughs> getting to any of the guys that we really like. All right, that's going to do it for the Week 7 Preview Edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to see our up-to-date rankings for both this week and the rest of the season. Check out the third buy-sell-hold report of the year before any of the buys blow up this weekend or any of the sells disappoint. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 